Welcome to episode 78 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times, here as always with Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. Regionals are in the books. We had a really great Friday regional final day, and now we are off into a busy week of sectionals. Yeah, my, we're, we're almost, you know, we're right around the corner of Peoria, and 2A, 1A is, 1A and 2A is this weekend, and 3A, 4A is is uh, obviously in about 12 days. So it is going to be regional review time for us and uh, some sectional topics. But before we get to those, we'll start with our two takes that we always do. And I don't know. You want to start with your take take first? I'll start out. I think I guess my first take is a little weird. Um, I heard from my Joliet sources uh, report that, you know, Oswego East beat Joliet Central, what, a week before they played on Friday? And, or maybe two weeks, week and a half, whatever. I, I, the point here is that everybody knew they were going to play again real quick because the postseason road was out. And what I'm told, I haven't talked to Larry Thompson, the Joliet Central coach, about this, but other people who have tell me that the Steelman and Larry Thompson were well aware of this. So they went and played like basically crazy men and ran up and down the court like chickens with their heads cut off in that game and lost to Oswego East, full well knowing that in the playoff game that they were going to slow it down as best they could do a Wheaton-Warrenville South <laughs> type pace uh, to win that game. And it worked brilliantly um, in that game. They, they were really able to slow Oswego East down, took them out of everything they, they wanted to do and went on to win and... Congrats to Larry Thompson and the Steelman. However, what it got me thinking about, I mentioned it on a couple of the other podcasts we've had recently. I don't know why it's bugging me more this year than in past years. I just feel like, I've always felt this way, that when that when the road to Peoria comes out, nothing else matters anymore. And I feel like we kind of waste away the last two weeks of the season. And So I guess my question is, my take is, why do we have to do that? You know, what if everybody knew the NCAA tournament road now and they were still playing games the last, you know, the last two weeks? You know, that, that, it doesn't work like that. I, I, just, I guess it's a question for the IHSA and it's kind of a proposal I have. Why can't we just wait and hold, hold off and not release it for another week, week and a half? And I think it would really help the season not peter out the way it does. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of logistical reasons people will say. But I, I think you could still even figure out the seeds, do the meetings, have it all ready, but just don't release it publicly. And then when you do, we've also talked about this, make it more of a, an event. I don't understand why football gets a television show reveal and basketball gets nothing when basketball is the premier sport. So I feel like we should delay it and then have a big reveal and kind of make it more exciting. Well, you realize, too, that this is way better than it used to be. It wasn't that long ago where the seeds were done probably two weeks earlier than than when they're done right now. I forgot about that. I I did not remember that, but you're right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like way earlier. uh, For sure two weeks earlier. But, yeah, I mean, logistics. to your point, the way everything is now, I mean, I know coaches are very anal about prep, prep work and preparation and uh, getting out and, and, you know, they, during the regular season, they have their schedule all set and planned and they can scout and, you know, some of them don't even scout as much as they used to. It's, it's just 
you know, film exchange and are, are, it's very easy to track down, you know, with technology now. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know if it really, other than the conference championships that some care about and, I don't know if the the broad base of fandom does, but you know it's um, yeah, it's an interesting point. My first take is uh, staying a positive track of all year long. It, Mike and I have been doing this podcast, and we do our stories, and we really have tried to to promote the sport and what we do. We love high school basketball, and but with that goes some of the negative things that I know come out of our mouths on podcasts. I tend to keep my negativity writing in the off season as far as some of the, the, the things that I'm not looking forward to. And there have been some moments where we have talked about how bad basketball is and how down it is. And there, but, 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 what happens every single year, no matter what, as soon as those regional games are played on Monday night, it kind of just all washes away. And that's what happened to me last week. You know, I, I, I have, I mean, it just has not been high quality basketball that we've seen this year. We have not seen high level talent and, you know, for lack of a better word, it's been a bummer. And, but boy, once last week took off and we got rolling and there were some, some scary games for some of those higher level, higher seeded teams. And we saw some buzzer beaters and we saw some exciting action on Friday night and individual performances. And you saw the reaction on social media and Twitter and, and and people just, you know, kind of gravitating back to the sport again and what it's all about. It kind of just washes away and it doesn't really matter anymore. The talent level and where we're at in the overall scheme of things. And that's, what I took from last week, and it was a little bit refreshing for me. And I'm—I know probably some people don't want to hear any kind of negative talk when we talk about the talent level and how bad this class is, or the senior group, or whatever it might be, because it just kind of all came back to what it's all about last week, as it should, and kind of as expected. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I this has been that might have been my best regional week in a decade or more, just with. I got lucky with some of the games I picked, you know, it's <laughs> as crazy as it sounds in the old days, you know, when someone used to tell me where to go and we covered a lot of games in a way that that's a lot simpler because you just have to go there. <laughs> now I literally sit with this list of games and I can go anywhere I want, which I guess Joe has always been able to do. But for me, it's new and it's, I feel like I need to, you know, serve the readers, but I also want to see some stuff and you don't always get lucky. And last week, man, that crowd at Glenbrook South to see the, the main West Notre Dame game, just kudos to both those schools and communities and Glenbrook South was a great host and it was just a really excellent time and same thing at Barrington um it, it a little bit of a late arriving crowd but we wound up with student sections for Fremd and Conant or sorry for Conant and Libertyville and that was a lot of fun uh, and that's going to kind of work into my next take after the game you know Libertyville won Drew Peterson hit the hit the big shot scored 20 points in the fourth quarter you know, you never know. A lot of times when a team wins like that, and a team that I have not said nice things about all year, <laughs> and a team I saw not play very well the last two years and that kind of stuff. I wrote about this in the notebook um, after the game, but man, what is it? was it a pleasure 
to meet those Libertyville kids. Well, not meet. I've met a lot of them before. But to talk with them and to talk with, you know, the coaches, they just took things the right way. I guess it sounds like they're all no shot clock listeners. They, they said they were excited to look to listen to this week's episode. So hello, Libertyville Wildcats. Um, but they were great. You know, they were excited to have played well when I was there, and they were excited, you know, to kind of. It wasn't about proving me wrong. It was just about them enjoying basketball and understanding that Joe and I talk sports. And it wasn't personal. And that I was thrilled to see Libertyville play well and to be able to write that story about Drew Peterson. And it was just so great. And, and you know, it, it's proof that, you know, the Libertyville coaches aren't doing what I think a lot of coaches do and are just using rankings and everything as kind of a cheap motivational tool. And they have everybody so jacked up that by the time they pull off this win, they literally run over at me screaming, which happens an awful lot. Uh, so it was just the complete opposite of that, not something I've been faced with much in the last two years. And it was just so nice and heartwarming and great. And good for you, Libertyville. And you can just tell that things are being done the right way over there and kind of with a really nice spirit. Yeah, I mean, that, it goes without saying that that makes you feel good. At times. I mean, as, as opposed to the the taunting of, hey, we, you didn't believe in us. And I actually got to uh, thank you in the other regard, complete opposite for taking an underdog who then – inspired their team <laughs> to to uh live up to that underdog status so that that's completely different than what you just said too you know and i'm piggybacking off of my first take is that whole you know that feel and aura of that first week of regional play and getting back to the the things that are so exciting about the sport and with that being said, it's also always exciting for me in a time that I really enjoy because, or, or and seeing some of the teams that haven't done it in a while or have never done it before, and that's why I go into this week. Not that I have a rooting interest or I'm pulling for this team or that team, but when it does happen, it's pretty fun and exciting. Now, four class basketball has created this a little bit more where teams do have, and I guess that's their 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 goal, particularly in 3A, where a lot of teams do have an, an avenue to do things they've never done before, pro basketball programs. But looking ahead, you know, seeing some of these new fresh faces playing in games, their programs have never played in before. You know, I talk about Lincoln Way East this year as being a team that I had high expectations for at the beginning of the year. Uh, the Griffins were in my top preseason or preseason top 25. You know, they, they, they didn't have a bad year. They had a very good year. And they just didn't have that that knockout win over the course of the season to warrant, you know, continue to talk about them at a, at a at a level that we did in the beginning of the season. But here they are, rather new to the, you know, I, I don't know how long that school's been open, not very long. But here they are winning their first regional school history. Sam Schaefer, the standout recruit going to Southern Illinois. Uh, you know, he led them with a big-time performance. And now they're in their first sectional game. And then there's a host of other schools now playing in sectionals, trying to win their first sectional in school history, which is going to be really exciting for them. Willowbrook, you know, has never won one. Lake Zurich is going to be on their home floor this week, playing for their first sectional title in school history. St. Rita, Lincoln Park, all these schools. Uh, and it's just, it, it's just a great time of the year. But it even is like an exclamation point for me when it comes to these programs that have never done it before. 
Yeah, definitely. That'll be an interesting one, that Lincoln Way East-West Aurora. That, that seems like a weird sectional game to me. Those schools are really far away. Far away. At least they meet in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, they play in Romeoville. Yeah, just, I, I have, I've had trouble wrapping my head like around that one. It doesn't feel right um, at all. But, all right, it does next, not feel like a sectional game. Right? No, yeah, it's got a weird... A weird ring to it, but um, all right. Now we're gonna hit the um, we're gonna talk about some of the regional upsets because we had a good bunch of them. I guess to me, I think you're for you too, Joe. The, the big one wasn't in our area. Uh, it was Moline beating Danville by five at Danville, of all things. We've talked about Danville a lot on the podcast. A lot of listeners I know saw them. Uh, most of the Chicago scene was out at uh, Mount Carmel in December to check out uh, when they beat Orr, and a lot of us saw them at Pontiac. I-, I was just really surprised by this. And then going back and looking at some of Moline's results, I mean, just some of the teams that we would be familiar with, Moline beat Wells by 7. They lost to Plainfield East by 18, and they beat Manuel by 2 this season. Now, on Twitter, it seems like a lot of the reporters and a lot of people weren't, oh, they're like, oh, I guess nobody would expect, I guess Molina had been playing well. I don't know. But to me, this was a, a real true shocker with the one big dog that really went down in 4A. Yeah, yeah I agree. And uh, they had a player, a catalyst in Kendall Moore that can really carry a team. I talked to a couple people that are familiar with those teams in central Illinois and, and Quad Cities and those they were surprised when I talked to them. I guess, and this is just somebody telling me that Danville shot four for thirty-one from three. Uh, you know that you're not going to win very many games shooting four for thirty-one. Uh, but yeah, that you know everybody was kind of penciling in a Danville um, Belleville West sectional game, and you know there's a lot of good teams in that sectional. So obviously, it, you know. It, and that same section, another upset was, and I, I wrote about it in, online, is Bloomington which and Normal West with big-time juniors Francis Okoro and, and Chris Payton both losing. Rock Island took them both out. Now, they both had to travel to Rock Island, which is another story. But, yeah, I mean, so those are three really good teams. I mean, three of probably the five best teams in a sectional all knocked out in the regional in what arguably is the best sectional in Illinois, even though it's outside the Chicago area. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think I've seen less than five teams this season that I thought could actually win 4A. You can kind of like half a hand, and Danville was one of them, that I'd seen play well enough this year at some point that I thought, you know what, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that team won state, and I, I yeah, they're gone. Um, so now it's going to be Molina against Rock Island, big rivalry, they split. Uh, during the regular season, so we'll see. Uh, Did you have Danville picked in our last podcast? Did you pick them? Definitely to win the sectional. Um, I probably had them going... In the Peoria? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, probably winning a game. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I've already forgotten. I wouldn't be surprised if I had them in the title game. Yeah, I I, I couldn't have thought more of, of a team than I did of Danville, so... And I, I had I had two games that locally that stood out a little bit more than... There, was, there were several... But the two that really stood out to me upset-wise was Proviso East and Fenwick, and then Rich East beating Hillcrest. Hillcrest, I think we both had playing in Peoria in Class 3A. And Fenwick, who I never got the feel for Fenwick being a team that was all on the same page together. And, and, and you know, I, I don't know if that chemistry – there was just something always kind of missing – but you kind of felt like the talent 
Rick Malnati, having been there before, all of that would kind of, at least in the early rounds, would get them through. And them losing the Proviso East, who, who struggled at the end of the year, um, was a little bit of a, a shock. Not a little bit. It was a shocker to me. Those two losing. At Fenwick, you know, I guess maybe I should have put more stock in this, but traditionally I feel like having a sophomore as a team's best player is tough. Um, it just doesn't always seem to lead to a lot of playoff success. And right, and even though even nuts. though he was our lead, even though he was our leading scorer last year, he's you know he was not the key you know the backbone yeah. of that team with Jacob Keller and Jamal Nixon, and uh, even though DJ Stewart did lead him in scoring, but yeah, you're, you're right. It, it um, you know it, it, it's hard when when your your go to guy is that young. It's it's troubling. Now the Rich East Hillcrest one, yeah, I'm totally I'm totally shocked as well. It was at Rich East, I believe. So that helps, but Hillcrest, you looked at, we saw it coming, I think, with the scores. Now that you look back at it, you know, they barely got by TF North. This was, we both picked them, and we both believed it, but if you're looking back now, you can see that this wasn't, they weren't playing as well as they were in the earlier midpoint of the season this last month, and it looks like that definitely caught up with them. Um, or Rich East, Rich East is a team that I, I remember, I believe, in one of our first few podcasts, I the first high school game I went to this season was Rich, yeah. Rich East, and it really, really impressed me. And I just, uh, so many things happened with their team and their program that it just, you did, you kind of wrote them off. And yeah, you lose your coach mid season. They had a key player leave for prep right. school. I mean, that's crazy to win yeah. that game with all that going on. Totally wild. The other one I would mention, we don't talk about Fox Valley hoops on here a lot, but Dundee Crown. Uh, you know, they beat Jacobs. Jacobs was the best team in the league all year. You know, we've talked about them a bit. They were kind of a team that was that little bit outside the rankings all year, but I was wondered about letting them in there. But they had lost 12 consecutive games, Dundee Crown to Jacobs. Um, so for, that's uh, several years of domination uh, that they get rid of in just massive form and a huge playoff win. Yeah, I mean, Jacobs was without their leading scorer, Ryan Phillips, but they did beat Dundee Crown without Phillips, I think a week or yeah. ten days earlier. So, uh, yeah, that 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 one, and then obviously Bartlett, who we, I, I was looking in my massive preseason rankings. I actually had Bartlett ranked in. Oh, you did! In, oh, nice. Yeah. In, the, in the in the sixties, but uh, of my massive preseason top eighty, but and, and Antioch, but you know Bartlett, a seventeen win team. They had some injuries kind of coming together and you know they obviously pulled off an upset it's a 12 i think they're a 12 seed and uh the lowest seeded team still alive i think and they knocked off wheaton south uh you know to to advance for a date with bennett this week It'd be fun if one of these uh, cinderella's made it through uh dundee crown's got to play rockford jefferson bartlett has to play bennett um you know not likely but it's not like either one of those teams are world beaters yeah i i if you know, put in on you know, I've got something's going online here. But Fram is another one. You know, I, I, I wrote this about this in a column, the Regional Rewind column. I mean, this team was dead, man. I mean, they had lost three or four to, in a row, I think, to end the season. Bryce Hopkins, who's clearly their most talented prospect player, leading scorer, who had really come on in the second half of the season, went down with an injury, and. Poof! They, they I, I thought they were done, and they pull off an upset, and now they, 
I think of all of the lower-seeded teams, they're a double-digit seed. I think they have the best shot of winning as they play a Barrington team they've already beaten once this season with Hopkins playing. But it, 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 I think that's the one team just because they've their style, their system, they've, they've been through that that high-level stakes games last year in their route to Peoria. I think Frem, even though they're still an underdog, have a shot at, of kind of keeping this alive in one more round. All right. Um, that kind of wraps up the upsets. Uh, now we're going to kind of briefly hit what we saw this past week. I think it's worth talking about. You know, there are a lot of important games. I, I guess I want to hit on first Anthony Sales, who we've spoken about on the podcast. I'd seen him earlier in the season uh, at the Wheeling Tournament. He's a freshman at Notre Dame. And wow, he uh, he was something else. I, I already forgot the point total. 30 maybe? 31 he scored in that game against Maine West. Maine West was a really fun team. A bunch of seniors played real hard. Just I wish I'd seen them earlier in the year. Unselfish. Two big men that, man, they made me wonder. Two six four guys. I don't remember their names right now. But I feel like every high school has those guys walking the hallways. <laughs> they just like could identify it. You know, just these gamers that were able to just give it their all. You know, they're not going to play basketball anywhere else. I think one, they're, at least one of them are, is a football player. But anyway, it's Maine West was fun. But Anthony Sales... I wasn't sold on him when I saw him at Wheeling. I thought he was okay, but boy, was he just an explosive, interesting player. Just able to get his own shot at will. You know, a really nice shooter. Got to the basket. You know, was in the passing lane. Just kind of had that spark and didn't look nothing like a freshman. He didn't look like a promising freshman. You know, he was clearly the best player on the floor, and it was really impressive and made me just very excited to see where he's going to go over the next three years. And considering that the big names we already know that have played so well in that freshman class, just adding him to the list just makes me really excited for the future. So that was cool. Um, and then the other, the, I saw the Libertyville-Conant game, and, you know, it was a bad game. for I, I mean, it was bad for a half. Libertyville had nine points. They didn't score in the first quarter do you think anyone's ever won a regional they probably have but they won a regional final game without scoring in the first quarter so it was kind of ugly like that you know it's but it's not the most talented sectional those other teams aren't great so you know maybe if drew peterson gets hot you know it heats up at the end you know they've got the best player left there and it's it's just kind of a down group and i could see them getting through despite the fact that this was a team that was really dreadful for a half, but, you know, they didn't let it get to them. And that's going to say a lot this year, I think, with the way there's such a razor-thin margin between so many of these teams that it, more so than most years, I think mentality and just kind of you know, your mental toughness might be able to get some teams through this next week that we don't expect. Yeah, I I, um, I actually picked Libertyville to win the sectional in my preview. Uh, I Not by... I'm not going to say I <laughs> felt great about it because I, I kept saying whoever wins that game that I really believed Libertyville Conant winner would win the region or sectional. So we'll see if that, that, that happens. But yeah, in, a, uh, in a way that's kind of sad because Conant was like a 15 point better team with their players, but you know, mm -hmm. they, it was just, they didn't handle things well. I mean, they had the point guard, Ben shot, I believe is his name. And, um, Ryan Davis both foul out, you know, the point guard early in the fourth quarter and Ryan Davis midway through. I mean, you just can't let that happen in a game where you had a huge lead. 
I mean, that was just, it was really unfortunate. And that's when it, the mental thing, I mean, there's no way Conan should have ever been in that situation for this to even happen. They should have been able to handle Drew Peterson scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter and still been fine with the lead they had. So that was just, they really dropped the ball. Well, they beat him in overtime in November, and they beat him in overtime in, in March, Libertyville. So, um, you know, I, I I was at the West Aurora Andrew Regional Final, and I, I picked it out. You know, I you know I, I wasn't so much. You know, I, I've got kind of two roles. I want to see the best high school games, but I also want to check out prospects over the course of the year for a lot of things that I do, but. I, I I just had a hunch or a feeling that Andrew had a shot at maybe pulling off a. I wanted to see an upset of somewhere, and this was one that I, of a one and two seed that, you know, they were a big underdog. There's no question. Andrew is not the most physically gifted team if anybody's seen them play, but I, I just felt like they're out. They're a three point shooting team that they shot the ball extremely well and were able to handle, you know, the the, the ball and take care of the possession of the ball that they could maybe pull off an upset but as we've seen and as we've talked about with West Aurora the one mismatch they had was Jared Crutcher and West Aurora took full advantage of he had a stretch of seven straight points in the second half at one point when the big fellow for Andrew was out DeHaan and he ended up I think with a career high 28 points so Crutcher and Cameron Denatlin I mean those two guys when Denatlin is playing when he's locked in, we 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 talked about this too. When he's locked in, you know he is a athletic difference maker. And West Aurora is red hot. They have not lost since the Pontiac Holiday Tournament. I just get the feeling that this team is really on the same page, coming together at the right time. And if if they can just make enough shots, they they don't have great shooters, but they have a surplus of guys who can knock a shot down. Two of which aren't their two best players, Crutcher and Van Atlin. <laughs> it's the other guys. I mean, the role guys that will, will knock a shot down here. Ben Young, the big guy who can step out, make a three. Trayvon Brown has kind of emerged here. Still a little bit inconsistent. But, you know, West Aurora, I don't think we've really talked a lot about them. And yes, we've talked about them as a ranked team. and But I don't think we've talked a whole lot about them as being a Peoria team. And... You know, to get through that sectional will be tough. And then obviously to beat Belleville West, the likely opponent in the super section will be tough. But I just like the, the, the makeup of West Aurora right now. Yeah, totally agree with that. Because they've got that Denatlin thing. And like you said, when he is doing it, there's not many. You just He's one of those kids you feel like he can score at will. You know, when he really wants to, he's that hard to stop. Um, all right, we got some sectional kind of grab bag of thoughts and topics here uh the first one i wanted to hit you know it's the time of year i kind of start this mid-february where i start working on next year a little bit in my head you know because i don't want to watch a ton of i don't want to judge too much of this spring and summer stuff that's i've learned in the past that judging teams off of late february and march runs means a lot more than what they do in june so I really buckle down and I try to go see these teams. Um, you can usually get a good, kind of a good feel for what I'm thinking about next year if you monitor my activities in uh, late February and early March. And so I had those teams in mind, and 
you want to see them maybe do well in March. So you know that next year you got some teams you can hang your hat on. And boy, it has not gone well <laughs> at all for me next year. I mean, Waukegan, we've talked about a lot. They lost that game to Palatine right away. Um, they're going to have, you know, Andre White coming in at point guard, so maybe that'll help, but disappointing. The Downers Grove North, Geneva, you know, they played one another. Geneva won that one. Sounds like they were able to hang with Naperville North for, like, what, a half, three quarters? Um, I think they had a lead in that game. Didn't come through. Oswego East couldn't beat Joliet Central again. Um, even Notre Dame, you know, they did beat Maine West, but weren't able to go much further. So those were kind of the ones who let me down a bit. There are two still alive. Um, they're both in the lower classes. Bogan, uh, we'll see if they can get by St. Rita. That's going to be a tough one Tuesday night at St. Lawrence. But they're going to have everybody back next year. So they are one to watch to see if this Bogan team can at least get into that sectional final against Morgan Park. And I think it would really set them up nicely next year if they were able to do that and get that experience with all these sophomores and juniors and even a freshman they're playing. And then I also think Uplift. They made it to the sectional final in 2A, lost in overtime to Orr, and frankly, they should have won that game. They could have won that game. They outplayed Orr in that game. Marquise Jacobs fouled out on some really ridiculous stuff. And then, you know, they're so dependent on him. But really, everybody playing for uplift in that game is back next year, except for Taraz Dobbs, and he didn't have a great game. Didn't really play well at all after the first quarter. So that's a great sign that this group of sophomores and juniors played so well against Orr, really with the spotlight on them. It was a nice crowd. So I think there are two city teams that have made me kind of believe in them for next year with their runs so far. We'll see if Bogan can keep it up. Bogan's a no-brainer. Bogan has the potential, a chance to be one of our preseason number one teams next year. They, they, a little bit by default by some of the teams that are, you know, the the roster that is returning for some of the Giants in, in the public league. But you know, Bogan has a shot to be one of those one, two, three teams in the rankings. Uh, I'm gonna topic. I'm gonna hit here. Sectional topic is. You know, a few years ago, and it's kind of weird because the Chicago Catholic League has you know, fluctuated with teams and the makeup of the, you know, the divisions and whatever. But St. Joseph was added. I don't know how many years ago was that? Was it? Has it been ten? Has it been probably now? Uh, so St. Joe's was obviously in the East Suburban Catholic Conference for so many years. They made the move to the Chicago Catholic League, so they. They were officially a Chicago Catholic League team when uh, they won a state championship. Nick Rakosevich, it led them to a state title. Coach Pignator, was that two years ago? Yeah, two seasons ago, right? Or yeah. three. Two well, seasons ago. Yeah, two. And they won a 3A state championship as a Chicago Catholic League team. Fenwick goes down state last year and finishes second in the state in Class 3A. So some – Big Catholic League representation in Peoria for the first time in a long time. I think it's the first state trophy that a Catholic League team had won in, I think, since Mount Carmel in 85, 86. So, you know, 96, you know, talking 30 years. Well, now it's interesting. Fenwick was one of the, well, they're Catholic League champs, yet they're out already. Lost the regional final. But there are still seven teams still alive in the Catholic League. Now, the question is, 
can anybody make it three years in a row for the Catholic League team, Catholic League to have a team in Peoria? You know, there, there's some big, tall odds against a lot of these teams. You know, Brother Rice is going to have to play Simeon, the state's number one team. Uh, St. Lawrence is going to have to play Morgan Park, who is the, arguably the 3A favorite. Loyola is playing the number one seed in its sectional, Evanston. You know, you look through, you know, Providence St. Mel is a one, they're, they're 1A. Uh, but St. Rita playing Bogan, De La Salle playing Farragut. And the one team I think that continue keep that streak going is DePaul Prep. You know, they are going to be a heavy favorite to win that North Chicago sectional. And they should cruise past Antioch. No disrespect to Antioch. I looked at some of Antioch's scores. I, I don't see that happening. Um, and then probably North Chicago having to beat them in their gym might be tricky. But I think DePaul Prep is the, is the Catholic League team with the best chance. Uh, but the question to you, Mike, right now, real quick, just for discussion, is can any of those teams I mentioned – keep this rolling and, and win a sectional you know brother rice no uh st lawrence no Loyola has a shot st rita can they beat bogan maybe deal of sale i could see them beating farragut i mean is there a chance to see two catholic league teams in peoria oh boy that, i think st mel has the best chance um i, I like st rita's chances against bogan because um, they got some bodies. We've seen St. Rita at their best, can play with the best teams around here. And and I even, yeah, I don't know. St. Lawrence is at home, at least, against Morgan Park. And ever since the Lincoln Way West debacle, I guess I have less confidence in Morgan Park than I used to. But I don't know. It's, yeah, Loyola, maybe, out of all I mean, of I, them. I mean, I made that comment. Uh, I picked Maine South. But I did make the comment that I, I just had that feeling that that game, their styles, there's you know there's a lot of, has to go right because that sectional is loaded. There's four teams all been ranked, are all ranked. They're all got combined 97 wins in those four sectional teams. But yeah, I, I could see Loyola. You know they they I watched the Loyola Evanston game and and Loyola had them beat and turned the ball over late, which is what they're going to have to you know, not do in this section of battle against Evans in the rematch. Uh, and, and I love Niles North. You, you're a big fan of Niles North or talent level. For whatever, I can't even put my finger on it why I can't fully trust Niles North uh, to win that sectional. And they very well could. They're talented enough, and they may very well may do it. But for whatever reason, I just can't. I mean, I, I got a feeling about Nutrier beating Niles North. And the Nutrier-Liola matchup now – I side with Nutrier, so uh, it, that that that's going to be interesting to watch those that those matchups that are so familiar with each other in that main East sectional to play itself out. But yeah, back to the Catholic League, it, it, it is. I mean, Catholic League basketball is you know always trying to make a name for itself. Obviously, other sports, football, baseball, they've. they've They've done unbelievably well, but uh, basketball has been a different animal for them. And and here's a chance now with seven different teams, all with a shot of, you know, kind of making some headlines this week. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. It's an interesting uh, thing for sure. And that Maine East section, man, yeah, I don't, 
It's tough. I do have confidence in Niles North, and I'd take them over everybody, but I saw Nutrier beat Niles North. Um, so I know it can happen. Nutrier has that size, and Niles North does not have a, guys who can defend that except by leaping. You know, and that's a bit of a problem, no doubt. And I would like Loyola's chances against Nutrier, actually, uh, more than Niles North. But we shall see. You guys will know some of this by the time you're listening. I guess the other thing we wanted to hit, the other sectional topic is, despite all these upsets we talked about, and despite the fact that it's a year of parody, blah, 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 all the big boys in 4A in our area are still around. I didn't have to do much work in the rankings this week. They kind of took care of themselves. I think the top 13 or something all stuck around just fine. We got most of the one seeds still there. Uh, is that going to happen this week? It, it could, but I think it's notable that in a year where we didn't necessarily expect that, that none of the big boys really got taken out in this first regional week. Yeah, I fully expected someone to lose. Not only yeah. the one seeds, Mike, but you got... If you ex you take away those subsectionals that have two number ones and two, it's just completely different than the full sectional. Every single one seed and two seed advanced, and that you know in all the Chicago area sectionals, other than those those subsectionals. So yeah, I I, I fully I didn't know who it would be whether I talked about in a regional preview the ones that maybe were most susceptible to losing. As an up, you know, Geneva beating Naperville North was one of them. My pick Naperville North, and then I oh, there's one more. Uh, I, I even thought Evanston had a tricky Larkin, you know, I think. championship were game. Were they one Larkin? Yeah, they were in the sub Charles North one. game. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I but you're right. I mean, they all made it through. Uh, in the subsectional ones, obviously Hillcrest lost, and I think there's one other one. But I. I it, it, we, we joked about it in our podcast last week in the preview one <laughs> that I went on a limb and picked all these teams, not all of them, but a, a few teams that lower seeded that would get through just based on this year of not having any dominant teams. It would be very, it, it, it'll be something to see if, if, if the sectional championship games on Friday night are mostly made up of one and two seeds. Uh, I, 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 it would really be something considering all what we talked about all year long, uh, to see that happen. And, and I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but we'll, we'll see if it does shake out that way on, on Friday night after the Tuesday and Wednesday games are played. It's going to be an awfully fun week of sectional action for sure. I am going to go to, um, actually I'm going to go 3A. I'll, yeah. How about that? people that think I hate 3A basketball. Tuesday night, I'm going to go to see the doubleheader at St. Lawrence. I just wasn't too intrigued by any of Tuesday's 4A sectionals, really, except for Bolingbrook, Juliet Central, and I just can't do that to myself. So I'm going to go check out Morgan Park, take on uh, St. Lawrence and Bogan against St. Rita. And then Wednesday, I think I'm going to go to... Oh, I know I'm going to go to see um, Young against Lincoln Park. Excited to see Terrence Shannon again. I think, um, you know, he's... I just think he's a really fabulous player that we have not spoken a lot about. And we saw he really stepped up like a dominant, you know, force to get them that win over Oak Park. Oh, that's an upset we didn't really talk about, um, but we probably should have. That was just a really big one. And Lincoln Park, man, who can figure them out? They've got high highs and low lows, but I'm going to see if they can beat Young for a second time. And I have no idea where I'm going Friday. It's going to depend on what happens. Uh, any idea? Yeah, what when, you're, when your star scores 42, and that's what yeah. happens, uh, you know, with with – 
and I got something coming out about stars stepping up. I mean, Mike, if you look at some of these these key guys for some of these teams, you know, is Drew Peterson doing his heroics and and scoring twenty straight points? Terrence Shannon forty two. But if you look at Morgan Taylor at Marist, Sam Schaefer Lincoln Way East, Ethan Schumer at Willowbrook, uh, Demaria Franklin at Niles North, they all had moments where they put kind of put their teams on their back and carried them in those regional championship games. And that's what's, you know, that, that happens. Um, I, I will be also be at uh, RB to see <clears throat> Young and Lincoln Park on Wednesday. And I believe I'll be at Evanston and Loyola Tuesday and Friday. No clue. We'll see how they kind of play out and uh, what matchups we have. Interesting to see the double headers. We, Mike and I were texting about it yeah. uh, last night about, I don't believe I've ever seen it where there are multiple sectionals where they're playing both games in one night. I don't know if I like it or not. I, I, I it's logistically it makes sense. Everybody's on an even playing field, same days off. Uh, I don't know if I like it from a. I almost greedy, Mike. I wish there were double headers on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> You could go to one section on Tuesday and see two games, and another one Wednesday uh, for a doubleheader. Yeah, I, you know, my initial reaction to it to these doubleheaders, there's three of them, um, at least in our area: Naperville, North Willowbrook, Bennett Bartlett, and then Lake Zurich, Libertyville, Barrington, Framed, and then the three of one I talked about. I feel like it's so much more fair, like you said, competition-wise. Not only do you get the same amount of rest then, but you know, I guess now see, this is so new. I haven't even. I, don't even mind. I was going to say that I always thought it was really unfair that you could win Tuesday and then Wednesday you go scout your opponent <laughs> in a big game where they can hide nothing because, you know, they need to win. But I guess that's still the case if you play first, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Just, so I guess that's out the window. Um, so Larry Thompson isn't going to play a sectional semi a little differently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe they should have to play at the exact same time. But yeah, so I haven't even, yeah, you're right. I haven't fully formulated my own thoughts on it. It's definitely weird. Um, and Joe made a good point. It's like for the gyms, at least when we were texting, I mean it could get really crowded in there, you know, if, especially with some, yeah, if, if the wrong teams, the wrong yeah. gym, I mean, it, it, that would not work. I mean, there's some sectionals in the past that I've gone to that have been sold out with two teams. Yeah. And that would, my, my thing would be what I would hate to see happen is if this was across the board, Mike, and I don't get two nights of yeah. great excitement in high school. I, th- I think that would hurt the sport. I mean, it's just fun to have two nights where it's the, the, the center point of, of, you know, the prep world on that Tuesday, Wednesday, and you would lose that. Like, let's say if everybody across the board played Tuesday night doubleheaders, I, I, I would, I would not want that to happen. No, they should do three a one day, four a one day if they do that. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, hypothetical uh, perfect world we set up is not coming anytime soon. But anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Next week. Always gets tricky, <laughs> so we're gonna have to figure out exactly what we're gonna do with that because the normal Tuesday thing doesn't work. So I guess we're gonna be delayed next week and wait until after the supers on Tuesday and come out a little bit later. So that way we can do the actual state tournament preview. But stay tuned, and we'll be back. Thanks a lot. 